Hey, good job. This is perfect. It's perfect. Not as nice. I wanted to discuss the advice I heard from Rabbi David Foreman. In this week's parsha, we hear about this guy named Yair ben Menashe. He asked for half of his tribe, Chetzi Menashe, God and Reuven, that they could stay on the other side of the Jordan River as long as they fight with Bnei Israel to conquer Eretz Israel. Moshe agrees, and he basically says, "If you don't do this, then I'm not gonna allow you to live on the other side of the Jordan." And whatever this whole this whole Tanai goes into play. But essentially, we have this guy named Yair ben Menashe, and it's kind of confusing because Yair ben Menashe seemingly is from Sheva Menashe. But we know from Divrei Yamim, if we trace his lineage back, it says that he's actually from Shevet Yehuda. And really only his grandmother is from Menashe. So basically this guy's like barely a Menasheite, but he's really completely from Yehuda due to his parental connection. And we know that Shvatim go based on parental connection. So why is he called Yair ben Menashe if he's actually from Yehuda? Now this takes us to a story in um, Bracious where we hear about Lavan and Yaakov. Yaakov leaves Lavan's house and he's chased down by Lavan and we all know the story that Lavan ends up saying where are my idols and he says I don't have your idols and whoever has your idols should die. He ends up finding the idols under Rachel in her sack in the donkey and she will die in childbirth with Binyamin. Now at that treaty when Lavan leaves not finding his idols he says to Yaakov he says listen I didn't find my idols and Yaakov gets fumed. He gets so mad at Lavan and he says, this rock, these rocks over here should serve as testament between us two. Lavan tries calming Yaakov down. He says, let's settle this and these rocks should serve as witness. These, this gal should serve as an aid between the two of us that we made peace here and they call the place Gilad because gal aid. Now a few connections between these stories. Number one, Lavan and Yaakov break bread at Gilad. And so too, we hear of the brothers in the Yosef story, when Yosef is thrown down a pit, there's a comparison to this story where the brothers break bread over there. Rachel puts Trafim in her donkey saddle, and a teref is used as the thing that Yosef is depicted as dead with. He's depicted as taraf, which means to be ripped up. He was ripped up into shreds, and that's why his coat was all bloody. Number three, she puts the idols in a bachar. A bachar is literally translates to a saddle. And we also know that her bachor, i.e. Yosef, will be taken from Yaakov in the future. So we basically essentially see this connection between these two stories. We see a connection between the Rachel story where she is chased down by Lavan and she's hiding these idols. And due to the fact that she hides these idols, this depiction of her saddle and the depiction of this bread eating at Gilad, and all these different components seemingly bring a comparison to Yosef when he's being sold. We're also finally told that, that the brothers actually throw Yosef in the pit and they leave from Gilad. So seemingly Gilad is the place where Lavan and Yaakov make this pact. And then again, it's also where the brothers throw Yosef into this pit. Now to make this shot a little bit spooky, listen to this. Seemingly, Yaakov screams at Lavan, and he says to Lavan, you are the worst person ever. I literally never even had one of your Rachel's miscarry. None of your Rachelim have ever miscarried. Your lambs have never miscarried. Who's Rachel? Rachel is his wife. Rachel will never miscarry, which is true. Had she miscarried, she actually probably would have survived. He's almost predicting the fate of his wife here. Yaakov then says to Lavan, 
you always blame me for all the losses you incurred on your flock. If there was something that was stolen, whatever it might have been, you would always blame me, the shepherd, and I would always repay you immediately. And I was an amazing shepherd in that regard. And Yaakov is actually told this line by Yehuda when Yehuda wants to take Binyamin down to Mitzrayim. Yehuda tells him this exact line, word for word, that, you know, if I won't incur any loss on Binyamin, don't worry. And he says the exact same line, that I'll take any loss that you incur on Binyamin. Now, another comparison to this Lavan and Yaakov strike Gilad is that Lavan tells his henchmen to chase down Yaakov and Rachel. And we also know that Yosef tells his henchmen to chase down Binyamin and the brothers because Binyamin had a cup. He had this silver cup in his bag of grain. And he's told to chase them down so that they could catch Binyamin with this grain. At this point, we understand that Lavan and Yaakov had to stand off. Yaakov essentially curses his wife and condemns her to death, which ends up also condemning seemingly Binyamin and, yeah, and Yosef to death as well. And the person who ends up stopping this entire thing from happening, he only allows Rachel to die, is Yehuda. Now, how does Yehuda stop Binyamin and Yosef from dying? Seemingly, Yehuda was the instigator of the sale of Yosef, but he ends up kind of doing this kapara when they go to the palace of Yosef and he tries to get Binyamin to be free. He says to Yosef, Rachel is my father's favorite wife. And if his only child that's left from Rachel dies, he will be brokenhearted. Yehuda at this point in time has an understanding of the situation. Yaakov's favorite wife was not his mother Leah. It was Rachel, Yosef, and Binyamin's wife. The reason he sold Yosef in the first place was because he was jealous of the fact that Leah was not the favorite wife, that really Yosef's mother was the favorite wife. And he couldn't stand, he couldn't bear that. At this point in time, he matured a little bit and understood, you know what, that's not true. And he ends up resolving this. And he brings Yosef back into the family. He brings Binyamin back into the family. These two people who are condemned to death by Yaakov himself in the Rachel story years earlier by Lavan, by Gilad, the Gal Aid, the stones that were supposed to bear witness to the death of Rachel and her entire generations, i.e. Binyamin and Yosef, was destroyed. Gal Aid, this Gal, was destroyed by Yehuda by admitting to this fact that maybe his mother was not the favorite. We mentioned earlier that Yair ben Minasha was not actually someone from Menashe. Only his grandmother was from Menashe. Really, he was a Yehuda person. And he will end up actually taking Gilad. Gilad is in the territory of Menashe. How crazy does this sound? Yehuda, the one who destroyed Gal-Aid, the one who destroyed Gilad in the first place, is the one now who will actually take Gilad for Menashe. This uniting of Yosef and Yehuda happens once again in the story of Yair ben Menashe. And that's how we saw the contradiction between Devrei Hayamim, which says that he's from Yehuda, and our partial which says that he's actually from Menashe. Because Menashe and Yehuda must work together to conquer the land of Israel. Now, I just want to end off with a question. And if you have an answer, please text me. Is that throughout Jewish history, throughout the rest of Jewish history in Tanakh, we know that it's Yosef and all the brothers. What I mean by that, it's Menashe and Ephraim, who are the main populace of Yisrael. 
after the breakup of Rechav and Yeravam. And Yosef essentially takes power in the north, in the northern Israel territories, which is the ten tribes and versus Yehuda and Binyamin. And seemingly it's Yosef versus Yehuda at this point. It's Yosef and the ten brothers versus Yehuda. But we know originally it was actually Yosef versus all the brothers. So why are all the brothers now joining up with him? And does that have anything to do with maybe Yair ben Menashe? Is there a connection here? Let me know what you think. Have a great choice.